first week, everybody, uh, we didn't do that till this week. This is the first week we're letting everybody wear name tags because we're wanting everybody to identify with each other. But obviously what you put on there is your name and what you go by. And we've been talking about the name of Jesus is not just his name. I mean, it is his name, but it's not just Joe Schmo from Idaho. And um, we talked about what that name has in it, what is backing it, and how it is available to us as the church. Now, if you remember a couple weeks ago, I said to you that the name of Jesus is not just a happy ending to a prayer. A lot of people slap it on there because they know they're supposed to, but they don't really understand why. Jesus' name takes the place of Jesus the man here on the earth. And all the power he had as a man, he put in his name, and then he gave us his name. And E.W. Kenyon actually said this. He said, the name of Jesus is like Jesus giving you a blank check signed by him that has all the power of heaven and all the resources of heaven backing it. Is that all the excitement you can muster about that? If I gave you a blank check and you knew there was $10 million in my bank account and I signed it and said, fill it in for whatever you need, you wouldn't be walking around just like, hmm, that's good. Yeah. Well, I got this blank check, you know. Pastor Brent signed it. You know, he said there's $10 million in the bank. How do I know there's $10 million in the bank? Listen to me. If I had $10 million in the bank, I'd be living like there was $10 million in the bank. Come on, somebody. You'd know it by my house. You'd know it by my car. You'd know it by the way I dress. You'd know it by my private jet parked at the airport. Come on, somebody. <laughs> You'd know it. Right? Well, listen. People go, when you say something like that, people say, well, how do I know what's back in heaven? Well, what, did you, what, what kind of evidence did Jesus give us while he was here? Did he walk around just kind of like, I wish I could help you, but I can't. I mean, it'd be nice. What kind of resources did Jesus have? Well, the Jesus that I serve healed people, raised people from the dead, walked on water, made the, come on, the food multiply to where they had more than two, 12 baskets left over. That's the Jesus I serve. And he didn't tell anybody that came to him, I'm sorry, I'm not feeling it today. I'm going to have to ask you to go on. Come back some other day when I'm feeling good. That's not what he said. He said to everybody, yes. The only people that was withheld are the people that didn't believe that. And the people that acted like, your blank check, I'm afraid to cash it because I'm afraid it'll bounce. The Bible says that's what limited him. But I don't serve that Jesus. I don't serve the Jesus that holds stuff back from me. He gave me a blank check back with the resources of heaven, and I could write it for whatever I need, whatever I want, and I'm not even beginning to even scratch the resources of heaven. Well, God's got more important things to worry about. It's all unimportant. It's all easily fixed to him. 
He could end world hunger, human trafficking, and your lack of a parking spot at the mall, all with the same amount of blinking an eye. <laughs> he, he, could, he could heal your cancer, come on, and, and completely get rid of global warming all within, I mean, not even blinking his eye, just thinking it. Well, that's, he's got more important things to worry about than me getting a parking spot at the mall. It's all the same to him. That's why he gave us a blank check with his name on it for us to, come on, fill in as we needed. So that's what we've been talking about. We talked about last week, how did that name get to be so great? And it was because he inherited it when he was begotten. And does anybody remember when he was begotten? It wasn't in the manger. And it wasn't beforehand. It was the day that God resurrected him from the dead. When he was resurrected, then he became the only begotten son. Why, why, how can you say that? Because he, scriptures tell us, he was, this day have I begotten thee. And he was raised up from the dead. And when he was raised up from the dead, his name became greater than anything you'll ever face. Anything you'll ever need, anything you'll ever want, his name's greater than that. This week we're going to talk about one more reason why his name is great. And that was because of something that he did. Something that he did. His name was made great by conquest. Conquest. That's a big word. Actually, it's kind of a medium word. But it's a big word we don't use that much anymore. But conquest means to take over by force. Most of the time, it's used in a military term. When something's taken by conquest, it is something that is to take control of by use of military force. It also means to defeat a foe, to conquer, to overpower, to overthrow by crushing. One amen on that. Jesus' name is great because, come on, he took over by use of force. What did he take over? He took control back from the devil from what was happening here on the earth. He took control by force. He conquered. He actually went down and overthrew by crushing the devil. The Bible actually says that he disarmed him. To the, and that word disarm actually means he cut off his arms and his legs and left him with nothing. And Satan had to change his name to the guy with no arms and no legs who's at the front door. Anybody know who that is? Matt? That's sinking for him what do you kind of call a guy with no arms and no legs that lays at the front door? Matt. Thank you. Thank you. The, see, the advanced Ramah student's getting it. He's getting it. What do you call the guy with no arms and no legs that hangs on the wall? Art. The point I'm saying... <laughs> The point I'm making is, that's where Satan is. He has no arms, no legs. 
So he can't call himself Satan or God of this world anymore. He's now Art or Matt. What are we saying? He has no power. He has nothing he can come after you with. He can't touch you. He can't come after you. <laughs> Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. Now, it's, it's, it suddenly got quiet in this Baptist church this morning. Jesus took control by force over all principalities, power and might and dominion. And when he did that, his name went from being just a normal name. It was, Jesus was a normal name at that point. It was a normal name. Didn't have any more power in it than yours does. But at that point, when he took control by force his name became greater colossians chapter 2 verse number 15 having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it now let me read this to you out of the coney bear translation is that not the coolest name for a bible translation coney bear I mean, I have images of a grizzly eating a hot dog with cheese piled up on it, don't you? <laughs> Here's what it says in the Coney Bear translation. He disarmed the principalities and powers. In the Phillips translation, it says he exposed them, shattered them, empty and defeated in his own triumphant victory. Now, this, this doesn't make sense to us as Americans because we don't really think in these channels. But when Paul was writing this, we're talking about in the time of the Roman Empire. So let's put it into perspective to how he's writing. When Paul wrote this, it was not uncommon for Rome to go in and you know, basically take over a, a, a country. And they would take the king and all the governors and the generals and everybody, now, now this is going to get graphic for a second, they'd strip them down naked, hang them from the side of the chariot, and they would drive all the way back to Rome, and then they would parade the, the king and all the generals and all the commanding forces in front of Caesar. And it was basically saying, this is who was trying to defeat us and stop us. From, from our empire spreading further. And they made a show of them openly. And that's what that's saying. Jesus, when he did that, he didn't just do it and that was it. He took everything he stole or, or took back from the devil, everything the devil had stolen, Jesus took it back and in front of all of heaven and all of hell, he made a show and said, this is who was trying to take over. But he can't do it anymore. He made a show of him openly. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 14. Inasmuch 
Then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. The Rotherman translation actually reads this verse, is that he paralyzed them. Also, it says, he brought to naught or reduced to nothing. And the thing about it is, is people have been giving problems and challenges that they face credit to God as if God is the one bringing it to them. But challenges and problems and things that we face, come on, they didn't come from God, they came from the devil. And when the devil is talking, you're actually giving place to somebody who doesn't have any power and when you do that, what are you doing? You're giving him power. What exactly happened? Jesus met Satan on Satan's home field. Now, I am a huge, it's probably not big enough of a term, I'm a huge Kentucky Wildcat fan. I love them. I mean, my room was wallpaper blue and white my carpet in my room when i was a kid growing up was blue i mean the blankets on my bed most people had star wars and all that stuff and i did too but for the most part i had a big kentucky wildcat blanket sheets pillowcases i would go to rupp arena and stand up and cry during my old kentucky home and put my hand over my heart and we do have hooks from louisville in here bless their hearts but but anyway I put my hand over my heart and cry, and it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And for ever, it's never happened. LSU has never beaten Kentucky at Rupp Arena. Never. Until this year. <laughs> this year, LSU rolled into Rupp Arena and beat Kentucky at home. And that was not just demoralizing as a as a fan it was like how do we go forward from here i mean the team that's never beat us here has beat us here and and there was a panic that went through the bluegrass <laughs> like oh my god i mean seriously as great a team as lsu's had in the past i mean shaquille o'neal played at lsu and never beat kentucky at rough arena and they got a bunch of jokers now nobody's ever heard of and they come into kentucky and beat them and it was demoralizing, and it was awful, and there was a panic that was sent through the bluegrass, except for Louisville. They all cheered. Um. <laughs> but now here's the thing I'm trying to get across to you. That's exactly what happened. There was never a victory over the devil here on the earth and in his realm until this point. At this point, Jesus comes into his Satan's home environment. The home field advantage didn't help, and he defeated him. All right? Satan has been defeated. And when we are using the name of Jesus, we are actually bringing into reality that fact. Now, most people don't think that. Most people think, oh, it's, I pray the name, okay, in the name of Jesus, amen. And then they kind of like are playing the lottery. 
Like they hope they're going to win. Like I hope I got the right number today. I hope that, they, that Jesus pulls, you know, the ball with my number on it. I hope that's what happens. But that's not the way we're supposed to believe. We're not supposed to believe hoping that we win the lottery. We're supposed to believe that when we pray in the name of Jesus, we are unleashing the fact that Satan, you are defeated. You cannot do this any longer. You have no right. You have no arms. You have no devices. You have nothing you can do to me. And I'm unleashing that when I pray. Come on, in the name of Jesus. He's been defeated. And, and, and a lot of folks think, well, that he's not allowed to attack you. A lot of people think that, you know, I was talking to my parents yesterday. Why do I even have to face this? Why do I even have to fight this? I'm a child of God. He shouldn't be allowed to do this to me. And the thing about it is, is he is allowed to come at you. Oh, that makes people mad. That bothers people right there. Dang it. He is allowed to talk as loud as he wants to talk to you. But it not, it's, not, it's more than just him being allowed. I mean, he's allowed to do something, but the fact of the matter is, when he does come, he doesn't have anything that could hurt you. <laughs> Let's go back to the image of the guy with no arms and no legs. Let's go back to Matt and Art for a second. Now, if you met somebody who really doesn't have any arms and legs, and they looked at you and said, if you don't shut up, I'm kicking your hind in. <laughs> I need some imagination right now. Kick that into your, into your, your over. If a guy with no arms and no legs threatened, come on, to steal from you, to take and, and, and kick your hind in, take everything you have, and kill you, how many of you are really going to feel threatened by that? This is not a trick question. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, I want to be respectful to everybody. <laughs> if they were talking to you like that, and they didn't have any way of holding a weapon, much less chasing after you with a weapon in their imaginary hands, how many of you would really feel threatened by that? But yet we have churches full of people who as soon as one little symptom opens its mouth and says to you, I'm taking your health. You know, uh, I look like cancer. Everybody goes, I mean, my grandmother had it too. Oh my God. What am I going to do? I mean, it looks like it, and it smells like it, and the doctor even says that it probably is it. And the truth of the matter is, if we go by what the Scriptures say, that he's defeated, that he's disarmed, all it is is a great big lie from somebody who can't do something to you because they're not able to do something to you. They don't have the means to do something to you. They don't have the, the ability to do something to you. All they're doing is talking a big game. And they're the man with no arms and no legs threatening to take everything you have. Come on. 
and take your health and take your life. Most of us would kind of go, <laughs> bless your heart, <laughs> okay, you're going to kill me. That's what we're talking about. Why is it that so many people are dominated by the devil? Why are so many people dominated by depression and sickness and oppression? Why are so many people, not just, now listen, we're not against doctors. Church, y'all know. I mean, I, I spent the last year conversing with them. Seeing doctors, I was in the hospital, I'm not against it. I'm not against medicine. But the whole time that I'm there, my faith was being built in the fact that this can't stay here. This can't take me out. This can't take me down. This can't take me to some place I don't want to go. This can't stop me. And there were days that I would come and, and literally put a chair on the stage and sit down and preach because the strength I just didn't have it and some of you would come up to me and say man your color looks better today and I'd be like thank you (laughs) did I look funny before I mean did oh you were starting to turn colors and and I was sweaty (laughs) and clammy and gross and I was not gonna let those things stop me because I realize who I'm dealing with because of what Jesus did. If those things are dominating you, then it's time for you to upgrade what you believe. Now listen, I'm going to say upgrade and not just change. Some people do need to change what they believe. But some people just need to upgrade what they believe. You know, you get a a computer and it pops up all the time. You know, you know, you know, there's an update to Windows. There's an update to your Mac operating system. That's what all the smart people experience right there. The Mac operating system that pops up there. And it, and, they, and it does it all the time. It'll pop up and say, there's an update. Your phone does it all the time. There's an update. And you know what? That is where your faith is right now. Some of you are facing things that you, you've heard enough that where we go, yeah, I believe that the, the devil's defeated, but why am I still fooling with this? You need to upgrade your faith. You need to go spend some more time with the fact that he is defeated and that he cannot do He doesn't have the ability to do anything down to, to you. We, ex- we pray, we'll ask, and we don't really expect really anything to happen. We say, Lord, change that situation in Jesus' name, amen. And we just kind of go, maybe today. And that's why those things dominate us. That's why those things control us. We lay down. And we let somebody with no arms and no legs jump on top of us and hold us down. We don't understand that the name of Jesus has already fought against what we are facing and has already defeated it. Now, I'm going to say that again. What are you fighting against? Because if you're fighting it, Jesus already fought it. I'll say it again until you get it. 
If you're facing something and you're fighting something, Jesus already fought it and already beat it. If something is slapping you, it's, it's, it is a lie because he ain't got no hands to slap you with. If something is kicking your hind end, it's a lie because he ain't got no legs to kick you with. If you are, listen, man, I grew up in the 80s. Anybody else grow up when Mike Tyson was really a good fighter? Everybody was afraid. I mean, you'd see people step in the ring, and they would, they would be all cocky until it was time to shake hands, and then you'd see their face go. And he just walked through people until Tokyo. And a guy named Buster Douglas, who nobody had ever even heard of, beat him. And Mike Tyson was never the same. He was never the same. And I'm telling you, when whatever you're facing right now, it's not the same as it was before. Whatever you're facing right now, it's not the same as when it had free reign to do whatever it wanted to do here on the earth. Whatever you're facing right now, it's already been fought by Jesus. It's been beaten by Jesus. And it doesn't have anything to come against you with because of Jesus. And that's what makes his name great. His name is greater because he beat it. His name is greater because he crushed it. His name is greater because he took over by force and made it listen to him. And that's what makes his name great. Heads bowed, eyes closed. His name is great because he beat it. He beat what you're facing. And you don't have to pray and ask God to take it away. You need to walk in the knowledge that it's gone.